Hello, everyone. So we're trying to think of a name to call you, our listeners, maybe the Nodders or... Or the Afraid Not Pod friends or we don't know. Something. So you have suggestions, you know, just let us know. That's just our opening today. Nothing to do with the story. Today we're going to talk to Krista Quigley. And you all, you're going to love her. I wish you could just get to know her one-on-one, but you will through the listening to her. You're going to feel like you got a new friend. She just is such a sweet a genuine person. She's a wife and a mom. She's a counselor. And her story she tells today is pretty amazing. She is going to talk about a time when her house burned down, like they lost everything. So it's a story of rebuilding, a story of figuring things out as you go. The emotional journey that accompanied the whole part of their physical journey. So, and, and we forgot to introduce ourselves. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And thanks for listening, and here we go. Episode number nine, Krista Quigley. Hi, Krista. Thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. We are really thankful that you're willing to share your story with us, and we just want to let you know we're appreciating that you gave your time tonight. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about you. Give us a little sneak peek into your life, and what's your day-to-day time schedule like? Well, I am married. I've been married for 15 years. Uh, married my high school sweetheart. We've been together for 20. Um, we have three kids, uh, all kind of elementary and under. Uh, so we're definitely busy with that, sports, work. Um, we own our own business, so we're always doing that. What what business do you have? Um, we own Owasso Behavioral Health, so we are um, a mental health practice here in Owasso and see a variety of, of children and adolescents and adults and families, and it uh, definitely keeps us on our toes and keeps us busy. I love it. Why don't you tell us how you and Josh met? Like, Do you remember before knowing him? I, yeah, I remember before. Um but we, we met in high school. I had a Bible study group that was coming to my house, a seventh and eighth grade girls, and his sister was one of those girls. And so after... Were you their mentor? Yes, mentoring and, and just cool. doing a, a little girls kind of middle school Bible study. And I so like you even more now. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd come over, you know, once a week and we'd do our thing. Well, uh, brother started making sure he was picking her up and, and taking her oh, home. on purpose. On purpose. Mm-hmm. He'd hang out a little bit afterwards and, you know, just ask questions. Oh, I love it. Um, you know, one thing led to another and So were we you guys are. at the same school? We were at the same school at the time. Did you, but you didn't know him? Uh, we, we kind of knew each other a little bit. We were in the same youth group, and had, I had just moved back from Texas at that point, and so we kind of had gotten to know each other a little bit, and then... Things kept going, and we dated all through college and got married five years later. Did you grow up in Owasso after you moved back from Texas? Uh, Grew up in Bartlesville and then moved to Texas and then moved back to Oklahoma and then moved back to Texas and back to Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are, yeah. (laughs) Where in Texas did you live? Uh, Well, I lived in Houston for a long time, and then we moved to Longview, and we lived there for a little while and then decided we missed Oklahoma too much, so back we came. Hmm. So you said 15 years. That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, what about the personalities of your kids? Do you have all real sweet, perfect angels, or are they a little spicy? Well, number one, he um, is very laid back, sweet, just 
old soul and very tenderhearted and kind of more introverted. Um, my middle one is not. Um, he's very fiery and uh, you never really know what you're going to get with that one. I'm very excited about stuff. He likes to build and create. Um, smart little guy. And then number three is just kind of oozes love <laughs> and super tender, super sweet. Uh, seems to kind of like to be a leader and do those sorts of things, but just kind of the, the good little bookend to our, our family. I'm so glad that God gave her to you all. Yeah, we what are too. What a sweetheart. So maybe what are some, some things you've learned through the years that you are wiser now after, you know, having these three sweet kiddos and something that you would like to maybe go back and tell yourself before the first one arrived? You're like, okay, you need to know this. <laughs> you give yourself some <laughs> advice. Oh, goodness. Go write a book on that probably. Um, I think... One thing, you know, as as a first-time mom, you worry so much about how am I going to love another child? And you start thinking, I'm I'm going to grieve this, like having a single child to having more than one, and mm-hmm. how, come, how am I going to ever love them as much? And just mm-hmm. I wish I could have told myself then. Um, it just expands with each kid you have. Yeah. You just you can't imagine your heart getting bigger, mm-hmm. but it grows mm-hmm. and it grows, and you love them all the same but differently and it's just such a neat way to look at it and it it does reflect I think God's you know love for us as we he he adds to his numbers and he can love all of us you know so much it's just crazy but I feel like a lot of my younger friends that have had their first kid like there's kind of freaked out a little bit about adding number two Mm -hmm. and that's something I keep saying like you you won't believe it and you don't know until you (laughs) have them but it just grows like each time and it's so 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 great so what are some of the special things about Josh? What are some things you love about your husband? Oh, good grief. He is um, so kind, and I think anyone who's met him would probably testify to that. I don't know that he really has an enemy. Um, he's just super, super sweet guy. Um, he, even while we were dating, was kind of a Prince Charming and, and did all of that sort of stuff, taking me out buying, you know, sweet gifts. And our proposal was... Disney World, Cinderella in the castle. I mean, full fairy really? tale. Really, he really took you to Disney. That was Mar- oh. Yeah. Oh. So I mean, that was a big. We had a glass slipper on top of our wedding cake. Like it that was is precious. It was the full, the full thing. And so a lot of times, you know, when I see young women who are like, you can't, you can't find a good guy anymore. I'm like, they're there. They're out there. You just got to kind of hunt them down. You got to find them. But mm-hmm. um, he's he's great, and he's a wonderful dad. Um, a great provider. Um, he he would put anybody before himself, so he's just very kind, very sweet. Well, we are big fans of your family. Uh, Chris and I just think you all are just precious. We love you all so dearly and definitely in your fan club. <laughs> now, did you always want to go into counseling? Um, up until, you know, probably... Middle school, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian, and then I had some experiences with animals that I was like, I can't do that. That's really gross. So um, after that, I actually went on a mission trip with Mike Taylor and Mm -hmm. uh, went to Florida and spent some time working with some battered women and children. Uh, That's my dog, everybody. Let's ignore her. Nellie, hush. Uh, But we did work with uh, battered women and children, and it just, at that point, um, I was probably about 15 years old, felt like 
God really just kind of directed me in saying, this is what I want you to go do is to, to care for these people and to wow. um, work with them in this way. And so the passion for mental health and counseling just grew. And I thank God through people in my path that just made that evident and clear that this is what my job was going to be and chased it from about the time I was 15 till today. So what is your bachelor's degree in? Uh, psychology. Psychology, and then you yeah. just went on and got a master's? Yeah, in, in counseling. Counseling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Where did you go to school? University of Oklahoma. Boomer Center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A lot of boomers here. Yep. Good way to be. Well, one of the things we, you know, of course, our podcast is named Afraid Not, mm-hmm. and we know that God holds all things together, even when things seem to be falling apart. Right. And I know that something happened in the past year and a half that probably felt like literally things were falling apart. We'd really like to hear your story and just tell us about what you learned through it and how God had met you in your your hour of need. Sure. I think ours was more uh, burning apart than falling apart. I think you're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for us, August uh, 17th, 2017, we, uh, it was the night before school started. We went to bed and kids were ready to go and uh, backpacks were loaded. New lunchboxes were packed. Our first day of school clothes were laying out. Uh, about, the, you know, it started raining that evening. We had some thunderstorms and about 11 o'clock that night, we had a loud boom. I think our whole neighborhood kind of felt it, heard it. Um, so we we knew it was something, you know, lightning had hit close. So we checked, and Josh went in the attic, checked all that. Everything checked out good. Went outside, checked the outside. Everything was fine. Put the kids in bed. Um, one stayed downstairs with us. Two went back upstairs, and they got in bed together because they were kind of nervous with the storm. So we laid down, and uh, probably about an hour later, we were watching Seinfeld. And I started seeing the room was uh, fogging up. So walk out to the living room, and we had a house full of, of smoke. So at that point, oh, scary. yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. So we, we went upstairs, tried to calmly, you know, wake your children up, and could hear the fire just crackling above the sheetrock there above their room and oh. got them up. And from that, you know, from the point we discovered that we were on fire, we had probably about two minutes to get everybody out and... Um, get away from the house. So it was pretty much engulfed at that point. So, oh, Wow. Did you all stand in your front yard together and just hug and watch your house? Or what you do? Well, Josh got the kids in the car mm-hmm. and backed out, and I went back in to get the cat because... Oh, the cat was still in the house. I didn't house. want to leave. Yeah, we got the dogs out. Oh. And I had to go back to the cat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, if we're going to lose it all, I'm, I'm going to do my best to get the cat out. So we got the cat and then pulled across the street into a cul-de-sac and... Um, since Josh works for the city, the firemen know him, and they all, I think we had four trucks or so come, and they spent several hours trying to put the fire out, and we ended up kind of trapped in our car across the street by fire trucks and hoses, so we just sat uh, and, and watched. What a nightmare. Yeah. It was pretty what crazy. What were your kids doing? Were they crying, or did they just kind of act like they were in shock? I think we were all probably in a bit of shock. Um, my middle one, who's the fiery one, he, he came up and got in my lap and wanted us to drive away and just kept saying, we have, we have to leave, we have to go. And we explained, like, we can't leave. We are stuck here. So we um, sat there. We had one other kiddo who just kept looking at it and saying, it's going to be fine. Our room's, it, it's above our room. It's going to be fine. And 
than one who just didn't really, I don't think, knew much of what to say. But they each had their their blanket and their stuffed animal that they came out with, and and that was it. So we sat and watched for several hours, and then the grandparents took the kids as we walked back through the house just to try to get, you know, whatever we could. And this is the night before the first day of school? Yeah. So this was, I mean, by the time we were done, it was about 4 a.m., so school was starting, you know, in the next three or four hours by the time it was all kind of said and done and the fire was out. And there was nothing left in your house? Um, the, the entire second story, which was all of our kids' bedrooms, was, um, for the most part, destroyed. And when they pump that much water into your home, mm-hmm. I can't remember, and I'm probably yeah. going to totally screw it up, but I think it's like 33 gallons a minute. Wow. And then when you have oh. four trucks, it's, I mean, whatever, the fire doesn't ruin the smoke and the water mm-hmm. destroys. So. That's what I've heard, that like it's really not as much the fire, it's more mm-hmm. the smoke and the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they won't allow you to keep anything you know that's porous or um, can absorb the smoke because of the you know chemicals in that that can cause illness and cancer and different things, so... So, yeah, that was, I mean, we had what we took out, and that's pretty much it. Oh, so where did you go from there? Um, to Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my parents took the kids, and they went to their house, and then uh, we went and got something to eat because it was 4 or 5 o'clock, and we were kind of trying to wrap our minds around, like, what just even happened mm-hmm. here? Um, then we ran by Walmart. We grabbed five toothbrushes and a cat litter box. I don't know why, and those were the only things we picked and went to their house and that's all we had and a t-shirt wow. I borrowed from my dad so that was we tried to sleep and get up the next morning and start sifting through uh, life and figuring out what we have to do yeah what'd you do about school they did not go to school the first day mm-hmm. um they stayed with my parents while we came and started meeting with the fire chief and um, all the insurance people, and they went back the second day, which at this point blows my mind that they even yeah. were able to do Did that. Did they want to go to school and kind of get normalized? or? Um, I don't know if they wanted to go or not, but at that point we're trying to think what's the best thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of opted for, like, let's let's try to make life as normal mm-hmm. as possible, even though there was, like, absolutely no normal left. Right. But you just keep on trucking and try to figure it out as you go. Oh, my goodness. How long did you stay at your mom and dad's house? We stayed at their house for for a few days, and then we ended up at a hotel here, which um, has kind of become an interesting place for me to see because I learned during our time there, we stayed there for a week or two, that it's a lot of misplaced families that have gone through things like us, and I didn't even realize that's what it was or that that existed. But wow, they, I didn't they yeah, they go and people who've had you know fires or tornadoes. They may be from our community or they may be from mm-hmm. somewhere else, but it's it it houses them kind of long term. So we stayed there for a week, and then we ended up in a rental house, which was a complete um, just God gift where we where we landed and. Um, we we sought that out. We kept looking for rental properties, and this was just kind of one of the many crazy ways that God moved during our time. We were displaced, but there was a house three doors down from us that my mother-in-law drove by and saw a man with a trailer in the driveway and just went up and said, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whoa. Yeah, and he said, well, we, we found a house, and we're, we just rent here, and we're moving out because we got a house earlier than our lease ran out. Um, we actually have another month left on our lease, and we immediately were 
jumping on that because it was important for us to stay in the same neighborhood so our children could stay, you know, near their friends and they could stay um, riding the bus mm-hmm. and, and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And we needed that for us. Right. So three doors down. Oh, my goodness. We wow. landed in a rental, yeah. So how long were you there? Um, we were out of our home for nine to ten months. And you just stayed in that rental? Yeah. Nine to ten months? Yep. Did you walk by your burned house every day? Um, buy it? Most days we did. And, you know, once the rebuild process started, it was a lot better yeah. <laughs> to go down there mm-hmm. once they kind of ripped that whole scab off the top. And uh, you could go and, and see the progress happening. We definitely went went down there quite a bit. And we'd take the kids down and let them play and ride around the cul-de-sac and that sort of thing. So it was good to be close and to be able to watch it. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really get to keep anything from the house except your animals and... Yeah, I mean, they each had their lovey and their uh, stuffed animal. And I, my husband and I both grabbed our wedding bands. That was it. And mm-hmm. I had a pair of shoes. Actually, he didn't even have a pair of shoes. Our next-door neighbor gave him a pair of flip-flops. Um, so they ended up, you know, coming out with that. And that was about it. The, the firemen did. They started going in and they said, what can we go get? And we'd say, okay, my, my cell phone's laying on the counter or my purse is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started grabbing pictures off the oh, okay. wall. So you did get some of so that. So they brought a few okay. things out like that. And they actually, they do so much more than people realize. They they looked in our washer and dryer because we had all our brand new back to school clothes we had just oh, bought. Oh, yeah. And I had washed everything. And so they threw it all into trash bags and just started throwing it out of the house. So we, we made it out with some of that. And my mom, bless her, she worked and worked till she got most of the fire stink out so yeah we ended up with a little bit of stuff like that oh my goodness so I'm just wondering when you're looking at your life that has literally gone up in flames what are you thinking were you were you asking God why were you at peace were you angry were you scared what what did you think I think all of those Mm -hmm. all those feelings they cross you at some point or another um, it's definitely an emotional journey and you, you find yourself saying, you know, how did I get here? Like, how did this even, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that was asked a lot. I think watching your kids go through that kind of loss and, and them crying over certain things, you know, that they don't have anymore. Um, and really it's the memory, you know, I remember when, when Grammy got me this, or I remember when we went to this place and I had that and now I don't have it anymore. Um, I think that was probably the challenging part of it, but definitely a lot of questions and how did this happen, and um, it's it's hard for sure. Faith becomes a really important part to drag yourself through that. What were some special things that you really clung to, special Bible verses or friendships that got you through or things that made a difference for you? Uh, well, it... it took a village, I think, between our church and our community and, and neighbors and people we didn't even know who just uh, rallied around us and kind of grabbed a hand and, and pulled us um, through a lot of it. And then constant, you know, sometimes it didn't even seem like prayer. It was just begging God, come close, come close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Joel 2.25 was something that hung on our wall that God can restore what is broken and turn it into something beautiful. Uh, you just have to have faith. And that was something that we constantly try to remind ourselves of, that, that this is a restoration process. It's a refining um, process we're going through. And just 
if we're created to bring glory to God, that somewhere in the midst of that, there was going to be glory. And it was almost a seeking that out process at times, you know, where's the glory? We got to find the glory. The beauty in the ashes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did the, you find some beauty? You know, I think for sure. I think we, um, I tell my friends this all the time that we often adopt ministries we don't ever want, you know, and this is one of those that you, you wouldn't want to have, but it's connected us with, with people in, in different ways that we never would have crossed paths with, with before. We have friends constantly say, you know, oh, I know so-and-so in their house just burned down. Can they call you? Absolutely. You know, when we we have made ourselves available and met all kinds of people now that, that have gone through this, and it's just such a small population that there's not a whole lot of people, you know, to walk through it with you. So it's been interesting to, to have that. But um, I, I was think, talking with one of the leaders of your Sunday school class recently, and she said, you know, a lot of people can go through their lifetime and not know mm-hmm. personally two people who have had their home burned to the ground. But in your Sunday school class, you have. Yeah. There's two people? Two. Yeah, wow. There's in your couple. Sunday school class. Yeah. That is pretty amazing. It's pretty Phenomenal. It's pretty crazy, and um, I, it's, I don't want to say it's a gift, because it's a horrible gift, but it's it's something that we've been able to kind of walk alongside them a little bit too. And, um, you know, they were calling us earlier tonight and saying, what about this with the insurance? And they came over Sunday. They were like, we just need to come by. So they just came by and we sat and, and talked for a little bit. And it's just someone you can call and say, this is how I'm feeling today. When does this get better? When does this go mm-hmm, away? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that gives you a lot of peace when you have someone else who can walk alongside you and just say, it's going to be okay. It's going to get better. One step in front of the other, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you have somebody like that for you when you were walking through it? Um, we did a little bit. We we talked with the Kellys here, with Dr. Kelly and, and his wife and they had a similar experience, and, and he was excellent at being able just to sit down and, and calmly tell us, you know, do this or do that, or this is the things, you know, that helped, that helped us, and uh, that was pretty beneficial to us. And just to have someone who had had a good experience getting through it, because you hear all these horror stories with insurance and stuff, and um, he was great about kind of calming us down and saying, this is going to be all right. Um, our families, you know, constantly walking through it. My dad is a very linear thinker. He's an engineer. So he sat down and just said, let's prioritize. Let's figure out, draws out his grid and his map of this is how you need to handle it and this is what you need to work on. And um, so, you know, they, they walked alongside us too. But the Kellys definitely were, were helpful because they had experienced it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, as a counselor, we kind of know that, like, if you have that person that can just kind of walk alongside you with it, mm-hmm. it kind of helps. Absolutely. So. Yeah, for sure. What are some things that are maybe practical things that as we're, our listeners are, are hearing this, what should they do in case this ever were, you know, we hope this never happens mm-hmm. to anyone, but how can we prepare in some way or what do we need to do so that we're better able to get through it after the fire? Is there anything we should do? N- know your homeowner's insurance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, do do your research with that. Make sure you have a good coverage. Um, some things too, just that were that were practical after the fact was um, put your most valuable things in something. 
like your your wedding pictures or your baby books or your kids like most valuable possessions you know inside of something it doesn't really matter what my kids had a little trunk that had like their baby dedication picture and um, you know some little things that they had received while they were babies and those sorts of things uh, were were covered and were inside of something oh, so okay. am I not supposed to save those but I did um, <laughs> so you know it kind of it, it just protected it from getting completely covered so rather in than on a bookshelf or something somewhere if it's it's super valuable and not replaceable, mm-hmm. you know, putting it inside something. I had stuff inside my nightstand drawer and I pulled out and that stuff was, that stuff was okay. It hadn't been completely drenched and, um, was salvageable, but, and then just, you know, keep on turning over rocks when you're, if, if you go through it and you don't know what to do, like just keeping asking people and seeking wisdom from anyone as far as insurance people or, um, fire guys, you know, whoever they, they have a lot of information they can give you if you ever need to seek that out for any reason. But, um, practicality, I mean, goodness, just put stuff in fire safe boxes, your Mm -hmm. tax documents, you know, all those types of things, certificates, uh, social security cards, right. Those things that are real pain to replace. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, those are the practical things. Those are good. I actually, I don't think I could say that I could um, check those off. Not a, not a one. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably should go through and think through that. Well, and I think too, like we got hit at eleven, and our house wasn't on fire till twelve. So really, yeah. I mean, there was a full hour in there. Um, so if you think that That's it's a possibility, just go ahead and call the fire department. Have them come. <laughs> Take a little look, see. But how did that? Yeah, how did that, what happened in, during that hour? I think my understanding is that it, it kind of went through maybe wiring and kind of started smoldering, and it was up in a part of the attic above my kids' rooms where you couldn't really see it. And um, we just, even though Josh went up there and looked multiple times, it wasn't at a place where we could really tell it was happening. And then once it happened, it just really took off. Okay. So it was just kind of building that whole time, yeah. the whole for that yep. whole hour. Wow. I imagine that you've had some pretty deep conversations, especially with your older child, maybe not so much the two younger two ones, but what kind of conversations about faith and God's provision and and trusting God have you had? I'm just imagining there would have been a lot of times where your kids have real questions and it leads to discussing things that are are good or deep. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely have have had some challenging conversations with them and have just tried to be really open that God really protected us that night because had I not been awake um, and seen the smoke, the story may have ended very differently because mm. we only had about two minutes before mm. um, it was all you know up in smoke. So we've we've had those conversations about God just really watching us, and even though this horrible thing has happened, that He's going to see us through each step of the way, and that we have to trust in that, and we have to have faith that He He hasn't left us before, He hasn't left us now, um, and just to keep on keep on trusting in that. Um, there's times, you know, that it's been very painful for them and very sad, and they have lots of people who've asked them questions, and it's it's slowed down now that we're a year and a half out, but. Um, you know, trying to help them understand that no one did anything um, for God to do this to us. You know, uh, there was not a, a sin that God was punishing 
by mm-hmm. zapping you mm-hmm. and lighting your house on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to explain to them, you know, that, that God hasn't changed his mind about them or about us. And we're just going to trust in that even when it gets a little dark and mm-hmm. challenging to do so. We're just going to trust like we always have. Nothing's changed. So we've just kind of clung to that. I think we can all cling to that. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening to this, us sitting here at this table, we can cling to the fact that we can trust God even in the dark, that we can trust Him. Absolutely. So what were some practical things of rebuilding? And like, not just the house, but all of your things inside the house. Oh, man. Um, there's there was, That was a big process. When you aren't planning on building a house to begin with, mm-hmm. and then it's like thrown in your lap and... Hey, build a house this year. Surprise, big fixtures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the company we went with was amazing and did such a great job on our home, but it was a very much you pick everything out, not like a, hey, do you like this cabinet or that cabinet? Um, so it was a lot of Pinteresting and HGTV on that side of things. <laughs> but in, in just taking a, a chunk at a time rather than trying to conquer the whole the whole thing at once, and our friends that have just recently gone through this you know they're a month out and they've they've done way more than we did in a month and we've tried to tell them like it's just a process and it's going to take some time and they're ready to nail it all right off the bat and then you're worn out but it's just a it's a long process um and I think just being patient and you know with the rebuilding and it's frustrating you know you got to pull out we had a school project like two weeks after our house burned down where I pulled it out of my kid's backpack at 10 o'clock and they were supposed to like design a turkey to look like a mystery (laughs) item at Halloween. I don't know. And I called my mom. I was like, I don't, I don't own a glue stick. I don't have noodles to stick to this to decorate it, you know, and I don't have anything. Um, and, and then I had to, one of our teachers, they had a reading assignments, you know, they had to read every night for 20 minutes and I had to send her an email and say, all we have is the Holy Bible in the hotel room. <laughs> Can you please send home some books? And so mm-hmm. it takes you just to a whole new place, too, of humility of I I have nothing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and to having to uh, – we're, we're pretty private people. We aren't people who like to ask for help. I don't know that anyone does, but to have to go and, and say, like, we, we need a book. Yeah. Can you send home a book? You know, this was challenging, but – And you had to get all new furniture and pots and pans and clothing and everything. Everything. Yeah, and I mean, I would go to the store and stare and just be like, I don't even know, I don't even know where to begin with this. And my mom, my mother-in-law would go alongside me and say, okay, pots and pans, let's look at those, you know. And we'd pick out one thing, and then you go home to cook, and you're like, I don't, I don't have any salt. I don't own salt or pepper <laughs> or ketchup, you know. Um, so it's just making yourself a little checklist and then trying to kind of get a little bit done whenever you can, whenever you feel like you can think and process and and go fill in all those gaps that you're missing. And mm-hmm. our, our small group of church was amazing because they helped fill our kitchen. They knew the holidays were coming up um, mm-hmm. when it happened, and so they made sure that we had some stuff that we could um, do, you know, fun things for the holidays mm-hmm. and prepare dishes and that sort of thing. So they were amazing. What's the most recent thing, object, that you, in your mind, were thinking, oh, I need to find such and such, and then you realize, oh, wait, that was a pre-fire I don't have that anymore. It's kind of funny. We refer to our life. It's like pre-fire and post-fire. It's like BC and AD, but but not, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of something specific. It's stuff all the time, but especially at Christmas, you know, when you go to decorate and you go to pull things out and you're like, 
oh, there was gift tags. I was like, I just need to get, I had all these gift tags left. I was going to go get them. And I look at my drawer and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, don't have those. <laughs> you know, and I walk through Hobby Lobby and I'm like, oh, I used to have that on my wall. You know, and you see mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that you're thinking, oh. It never occurred to me, all those boxes of Christmas decorations, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Hobby Lobby was a challenge. I mean, and that's a weird one, but that was a challenge for a long time. I couldn't go through there without seeing really? stuff and it just oh, triggering. stuff that you've had before. So many responses mm-hmm. and emotions. Yeah, because it was stuff that had hung on our walls, you know. Yeah. So that was kind of crazy. But Christmas really kind of was a, a time when I was like, oh, I'm going to go get that. And then you look in your drawer and it's not there. But... I figure it's going to keep happening for years, right. probably. You know, yeah. Just part of the gig. Well, it's fun to... I, I can drive by your house mm-hmm. now and being close by to you, and I just have a, a joy seeing that God's put you back in that home, and it's a beautiful home, and I just have a sense of recognizing He really, he really did take care of you, even though it was so hard. Absolutely. And he got you back in. Wasn't it right when school ended? Yeah. It was almost, yeah, we were in May. It was a full school year. Full school year, yeah, that we were out. And we thought that. We're like, this is going to be real funny if God's like, hey, last day of school, move home. (laughs) And then it was. Yeah. But it was, (laughs) it was really close to the last day, but it wasn't on the last day. But we were, um, we probably moved in a little prematurely. Some things hadn't been done, but we got to a point where we're like, we just we got to be back. We got to go. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we did. What was that first night back in your house like? Um, it was surprisingly really good. We were anxious. We were really concerned about how all of us would respond, um, especially the kids. Um, but they did. They did great. They, um, for the longest time, slept with overhead lights on. They slept with their rooms fully lit. Uh-huh. Um, when we moved back home, they, they had started that. We're now down to, let's see, three lamps in one kid's room. One kid has kind of just has the hall light, and then one kid's got two lights on, I think. But we've made it to a place where we're, when we got to turn out the big hall light and go to just the little hall light, we were excited. It's just progress. But yeah. um, that was sincere. absolutely. Right. But, sure. but they did really good moving, moving back in. They've been troopers and. Um, there's still definitely some fear when storms happen and when we hear thunder. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. They, you know, come running and, and like to be close, but they're they're getting better at it. And for a long time, like seeing a fire pit, seeing fire anywhere it wasn't supposed to be was a challenge mm-hmm. for them. If someone was doing a burn pile or something, you know, there was, there was some real fear there, but they're doing really good. Did you keep your floor plan exactly like it was before, or did you change some things? Because it was pretty much down to a, a slab, right? Yeah, Almost. we would um, down, yeah, down to the studs in some areas, um, and then the slab and the exterior kind of got to stay in some areas. Uh, we we expanded a few things since we have boys and girls mixed. We added a bathroom so that they wouldn't be sharing bathrooms as teenagers because I just felt like that wouldn't. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Fair right. to <laughs> the little lady to have to share with your teenage boys. Um, and then we kind of expanded the laundry room because I wanted one where you could close the door and people not walk through your garage and see all your dirty clothes laying right. there. Mm-hmm. So we did Which that. Which is exactly what I, I, I so love that for you. Yeah. Because that is exactly <laughs> what I have. That's what, I mean, that's what we did. And uh, there was a few few small changes like that, but we had to keep the, the footprint the same so there wasn't really a lot of space to like add a ton of oh, yeah. square right. footage and those sorts of things. But the but, kids' bedrooms are the same place mm-hmm. and your bedroom's the same place, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, those stay the same minus... She got a bathroom, which they don't think is fair, but, you know, <laughs> happened. Wow. 
So um, let's, it, well, let's end on kind of a lighter note. So what are some things going on with you now? Like what are you wanting to expand your business any? Are you wanting to tell us a little bit more about your counseling? Sure. We've, um, we have expanded here recently and, and we've grown a lot over the past year, which, you know, we're rebuilding a house and then God's like, Hey, here, how about this too? Let's expand your business. (laughs) And, um, you know, that all happened within a few months and then they were coming on board as we were moving back home. So that was an additional, um, you know, thing in life, but it's been amazing just to watch God work and to open doors there for us to serve our community and, um, so many people who are broken and struggling and just to be able to walk alongside them is, is such a gift that I definitely don't don't take for granted to be able to sit with someone through kind of their most private and intimate mm-hmm. things and to be a stranger to them and them to trust you. Um, I, I don't take that lightly. I feel like that's uh, just such a gift for me to be able to do that with them. Um, so that I, I assume is going to keep expanding if, if God wills and we'll just keep on going with it, you know? He, he opens the door and we walk, so. That's right, and he's using you. He's using you in lives all, every day while you're sitting and sharing with them, listening with them, and comforting and sure. using your wisdom. Yeah. Um, and if someone that's listening today is thinking, oh, this is this sounds perfect, I really need to find this place, and how could they find you if, they, or if they're wanting to come to you, if they're wanting to find your business? Could they do that? Yeah, they can they can look us up. We're Owasso Behavioral Health here in Owasso. We're three doors down from Los Cabos, so that's how I always explain it. If you like chips and salsa. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a Los Cabos fan. Take a little, you know, walk down there and we're right there. Um they can find us on Facebook or online. Um and we'll we'll get them set up. Do you have an age group that you normally work with? Um we all see ages six and up and kind of, you know, enjoy that age. I think all of us there have done itty bitties and just mm-hmm. felt like that wasn't our <laughs> expertise. Wasn't your strength. That wasn't where, you know, we <laughs> wanted to land. So we don't do the itty bitties, but, um, you know, elementary and up is, is kind of where we range and we all kind of have our little area that we really enjoy and find, find fun, you know, but we, we see pretty much everything and anything. Mm-hmm. You hear all kinds of stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's that's the thing, too, about this is I felt like um, there were two times when God was, like, very clearly almost like I turned around and you hear this, like, little whisper um, spoken to you. And one was perspective, was just a word that came out. And I thought that, you know, as we traveled through that, that this was a perspective I now have. Uh, that I didn't have before. And so when you're working with these people who are grieving these humongous losses, and some of them, you know, may not be of their things, but of of a loved one or mm-hmm. um, an expectation they had that no longer was there or whatever, um, it, it gave me a different perspective to be able to walk with them. And then another thing that I heard was, I can be trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a big one for me just to... You know, when you're when you're struggling and you're in that dark place, just to be able to have those few words kind of sputtered out, right? Um, and just to be able to really focus on that, and even when you can't see him, like just thinking, okay, he can be trusted. He can be trusted. That's right. Something to cling to. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hope that everyone's listening today and realizing that these truths that we're talking about, they're for you. 
that God's there for you and he can be trusted for your life, this is for you. And that's actually why we're so glad Krista shared her story because we don't know how many different people are listening today that you needed to hear that. And so from us to you, we just want you to know God can be trusted and he loves you. Because we all grieve, and it doesn't that grieving doesn't necessarily mean there was a death. It could be loss of an expectation, mm-hmm. or a house, or a family, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the grief process is kind of the same for all of that. So, thank you so much for sharing all that today. Absolutely, it's really brave of you, and we appreciate it a lot. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and no is there anything else that you just thought? I really want to make sure I say this or share this. Anything that was on your heart today at all? And if not, that's okay. But we we just wanted to close out with something that maybe yeah. anything that... Or anything you're loving or yeah. enjoying. I just think, too, like Robin asked me if I would mind coming to do this, and I hesitated for a second, and then she <laughs> walked away, and I walked out, and I thought, God gave you a story to tell, mm-hmm. and you need to tell it. So I think, um, you know, if God's given you a story to tell, making sure you're using that in some way, shape, or form... Um, because someone might listen and be pointed back to him or say that's, you know, I can identify with that, and it gives a little bit of hope. But I think if you got a story to tell, like, you tell it. That's right. right. That's exactly right. why we're doing I this. I know. Okay. Everybody has a story. <laughs> that's true. Oh, okay. Thank well, thanks so, so much, much for coming. Sure, no problem. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad that you tuned in today. Um, I love that... One of the things Krista said, that ministry is sometimes is adopted through experience. So sometimes we go through something and somebody else is in the same, walking through the same situation and that we didn't expect that to be a ministry, but it becomes one. And you know, another thing that Krista shared that is so real for every one of us, that we can trust God even in the dark. And we can tell our our loved ones when they're going through a hard time. We can spread this It's so important for us to know that. We can trust God, so trust Him today. Today, our music was written by Sean McCormick and performed by Aiden McCormick and Eric Wall. And our awesome friend, Jennifer Andrews, was here producing for us. Thank you, Jennifer. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. If you subscribe, you will get these into your inbox every time automatically. We're so glad you're listening. Thanks, friends, and we hope you have a great day.